Chapter Twenty Seven of the Old Tobacco Shop. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Old Tobacco Shop by William Bowen. Chapter Twenty Seven: The Sorcerer's Den. He was an old man, rather stout dressed in a short gown tied in with a cord about the middle, and wearing sandals on his feet. He stooped somewhat. A white beard hung to his waist. His head was bald, except for a forelock of white hair which drooped over his forehead, towards his eyes. There was a humorous twinkle in his eye, and a smile overspread his broad, brown face. "'Tis the old party who will cure the chevalier,' said Mr. Hanlon, behind his hand. "'It's the old man of the mountain,' whispered Toby. "'It's the magician who built the tower,' whispered Queen Miranda, in alarm. "'It's me own father, as ever was,' cried Mr. Punch, aloud. "'Greetings, old dear. Here's a surprise. What? However did you come here? "'I'm snowing glad to see you, and the last person I should have thought to see in this. "'My word, what a lark!' "'Come in, Punch,' said the old gentleman affably. "'And your friends, too. "'I'm very glad to see you, my boy. "'I've had some trouble in getting you here, "'but here you are at last, "'thanks to my good friend Hanlon, "'and you are now well out of the hands of Shiraz. "'Put the little boy down in that chair, "'and we'll see what we can do for him.' "'To speak of a grown youth with a mustache as a little boy "'seemed hardly respectful, "'but Freddy did not seem to mind it. "'Indeed,' His big, round, childlike eyes dwelt fondly on the old man, and there was something like a smile about his lips. He was seated gently in a chair within the room, and while Mr. Punch's father set down his lantern on a table, the others looked about them. They were in a small square room with a low ceiling. By the dim light of the candle they could see that it was bare and dusty. Cobwebs hung in all the corners. There seemed to be no windows, but set upright in one wall was what looked like the back of a clock, as tall as a man. Opposite the door by which they had entered was another door. Around the walls were shelves, from floor to ceiling, crowded with hourglasses of all sizes. The old gentleman observed the look which Toby cast at the shelves. "'One of my storerooms,' said he. "'I've got a good many of them, all told.' and in fact you'll find a storeroom of mine in the top of nearly every clock tower in the world. It takes a deal of space to keep all the hourglasses in, I can tell you. If you'll give me yours, I'll put them away for you. Shiraz got him away from me once, but he won't do it again. He manages to steal one now and then, when I'm away, but I usually get him back, sooner or later. He collected the hourglasses from his visitors and put them away on a shelf. "'Look here, parent,' said Mr. Punch. "'If I didn't know better, I'd say as I'd seen this room before. "'There's the back of the clock, and the door over there looks like—' "'You've a sharp eye, Punch, my boy,' said the old gentleman. "'Quite a detective you are, my son. "'Now then, we'd better get busy. "'Aunt Amanda, do you want me to cast off your enchantment?' "'Why do you call me that?' asked Queen Miranda. "'Because that's your name.' "'Don't you know who you are?' "'I know I was enchanted once under the name of Aunt Amanda.' "'No, no. You're enchanted now under the name of Queen Miranda.' 
but shiraz the persian told us he would disenchant us and he did no no you were yourselves before and now you are enchanted my brain is in a whirl said queen miranda are we ourselves now or were we ourselves before by cracky said toby it's too much for me and i give it up anyway what we want to know is can you cure the chevalier i can and i will said the old man there's nothing the matter with him except that he isn't himself as soon as he's himself again he'll be well he was given the chance once before but he didn't know how to use it he made a great mistake what mistake said toby he made the mistake of carrying the old man of the mountain on his back if he had only lifted him up in his arms before him the old man would have been as light as a feather and freddy would have been himself again in a flash but of course he didn't know we've got to correct his mistake well by crickets said toby this is correction island right enough blamed if i know which is the mistake and which is the correction it looks to me as if it was a mistake to be corrected and we've got to correct the correction back again something like that said the old man smiling i'm going to undo the correction of each one of you and then you'll all be yourselves once more instead of these false things you are now queen miranda looked at the ruby ring on her finger and wept quietly to herself as for freddy his eyes never left the face of the old man the old man stooped over freddy and laid his cheek against the young chevalier's pale forehead and then against the young man's cheeks he then threw aside the blankets and sat himself down on freddy's knees his body pressed the young man's breast and his cheek touched the young man's cheeks one after the other it was some moments before there was any change the others watched anxiously a red glow began to appear in freddy's cheeks and his eyes became brighter he raised his hands he moved his head he looked about him he smiled into the face of the old man you are better said the old man i'm very well said freddy in a clear voice but i think i must have been sick have i been sick rather said the old man but you are going to be yourself again in another minute now then put your arms around me and lift me off can you do that easily said freddy and he lifted the old man in his arms and rising to his feet at the same time tossed the old man off with an easy gesture as the old man touched the floor there was no longer any chevalier freddy was standing before the chair in his own person the little boy once more with sparkling eyes and rosy cheeks he looked around in surprise where are aunt amanda and the others said the little boy wait just a minute freddy said the old man now madam he said to queen miranda if you will be kind enough to lift me up and toss me away queen miranda looked at him doubtfully he was a solid-looking person and it seemed absurd to think of lifting him but she did as he directed and placing her hands under his arms she found that he weighed no more than a baby she held him up off the floor now cast me off said he she tossed him away with an easy gesture and he alighted on his feet with a bound aunt amanda cried freddy and rushed into her arms land's sakes said she i thought you were never coming where are all the others i'm glad there's nobody but this old man to see me in this bedraggled bonnet 
Why don't that Toby Littleback come? Now ain't it like him to keep me waiting here all night? I never see such an exasperating. Wait just one moment, Aunt Amanda, said the old man. I'll have him here immediately. He stood before Toby and directed him what to do. Toby seized him in his strong hands and lifted him up over his head like a feather pillow. And such a toss did Toby give him as sent him flying across the room, almost to the wall. The old man came down on his feet with a bound. "'You, Toby Littleback,' said Aunt Amanda. "'Ain't it just like you to keep me and Freddy waiting here all night, while—' "'And where's Mr. Punch and all the rest of them?' Toby stood before her, with his hands in his pockets. His hump was on his back in its rightful place, and he looked exactly as he had looked the first time Freddy had seen him, standing in the doorway of the old tobacco shop. "'I ain't been nowhere, Aunt Amanda,' said Toby. "'And I don't know where Mr. Punch is, neither. "'I ain't his guardian, anyway. "'The last I seen of him, as far as I remember, "'was in Shiraz's garden, looking round at the flowers. "'By cracky, if he can't take care of himself, "'I ain't a-goin' to do it for him. "'Maybe the old gentleman here can tell you, if you want to know.' "'Wait just a moment,' said the old man. "'I'll have him here immediately.' Mr. Punch laughed immoderately as he picked up his own father and tossed him in the air and hurled him across the room. The old man did not seem to mind it a bit, but joined in the laugh as he came down on his feet with a bounce. Mr. Punch was immediately himself again. His hump was on his back, his breath stuck out, his long-tailed coat and knee-breeches were as before, and he looked as if he might just have stepped down from his wooden box beside the tobacco shop's door. "'Wery glad,' said he, "'to make your acquaintance with me, old parent, "'and a wery good parent, too, if—' "'That's enough, Punch,' said his father. "'Now we'll bring on the church warden.' "'In another moment the thin and saintly-looking Thomas the inferior was gone, "'and in his place was the fat and comfortable church warden, "'blinking at his friends through his round spectacles. "'I have been considering,' said he, "'that it would be highly desirable—' after all I have passed through lately, to sit in my chair on the pavement against the wall of my church with a pipe and a newspaper, and I have concluded that— We will now call Mr. Hamlin, said the old man. From the time Mr. Hamlin placed his hands under the old man's arms, his tongue was rattling on at a prodigious speed, and as he tossed the old man lightly away like a doll, he was saying— and never once did the speechless man and the deaf wife have any words except once, and twas then that— But he spoke no more. He was himself again. He was dumb. Toby greeted him warmly, but he only nodded his head vigorously, and smiled his old-time cheerful smile. That's all, said the old man. But the tool codgers, began Toby. They will not be here, said the old man. No use waiting— they made their choice some time ago. They are as much themselves now as they ever were, and they will remain where they are in perfect contentment. No need to bother about them. All that remains now is to bid you farewell, and wish you a pleasant journey. Have we far to go? said Toby. You'll see, said the old gentleman, going to the door that was opposite the one by which they had entered, and throwing it open. He stood aside as they passed, and smiled upon each with a kind and fatherly smile. He placed his hand on Freddy's head, 
and turned the little boy's face up so that he could look down into his eyes. Remember, he said, never carry the old man of the mountain on your back. Carry him before you in your hands, and he will be as light as a feather. Now farewell. He gently pushed them out and closed the door behind them, and they went slowly down a dark stair. Toby held Freddy's hand, and Mr. Punch helped Aunt Amanda. They could see very little, and they knew very little where they were, until they found themselves, after a time, on a level floor, and feeling the wall with their hands came to a pair of swinging doors. Through these doors they passed, and Toby knocked his knee against something in the dark. "'It's a long bench,' said Toby. "'And here's the side of other long benches. Blamed if they don't seem like pews in a church!' A dim light, as of tall windows, was visible at some distance on their left. The church warden pushed forward and walked swiftly here and there, with the step of one who knows the way. In a moment he returned. "'It's a church,' he said calmly. "'It's my church. This way, madam and gentlemen.' He led the way to the left. Under a great round window, which could be dimly seen in the wall, was a wide door, before which they all paused. As captain of this party, said Aunt Amanda, my orders is that we open the door and see what will happen next. Aye, aye, ma'am, said the churchwarden, and opened the door. In a moment they were standing under the stars on a brick pavement before a church, and on the pavement against the church wall was an empty chair. Ah, said the churchwarden, and sat down in the chair. Mercy on us, cried Aunt Amanda. We're home! "'Blamed if we ain't,' said Toby. "'It's our own street, and I can almost see the tobacco shop from here.' "'After a life of adventure,' said Mr. Punch, "'one will find it very pleasant to stand quietly on one's little perch at rest one's legs, "'and see one's old friends go in and out at the old tobacco shop once more, "'watching for the ends of the clock to come together for a bit of relaxation with one's—' "'All right, young feller,' cried Toby to Freddy. Come with me. Mr. Punch, take Aunt Amanda home. I'll be with you as soon as I've got Freddy safe. Aunt Amanda and Mr. Punch went off together towards the old tobacco shop. Mr. Hanlon, after shaking hands all around, departed for the Gaunt Street Theater, where he would be no longer troubled by the imps, who had long since been destroyed by the odor of sanctity. The church warden preferred to enjoy for a while the comfort of his old chair by the church wall, and Toby and Freddy left him there, his hands folded placidly across his stomach. Freddy and Toby crossed the streetcar track, hand in hand together. The horse had gone to bed for the night, and there was no danger. All the houses were dark. It was very late. No light was to be seen anywhere, except a gas lamp at the next corner. The streets were silent and deserted. Freddy yawned. Freddy's house was dark, like all the rest. A narrow brick passageway followed a fence to the rear, between this house and the next, and a gate opened from the sidewalk into this passage. Freddy and Toby went through this gate and crept quietly to the backyard of Freddy's house. The kitchen door was locked, but Toby found a window which was unfastened. He raised it noiselessly and helped Freddy to climb in. With a whispered good night, the little boy left his friend and tiptoed into the house, and up the back stairs in the dark to his own room. His bed was there in its old place, and the covers were turned down. 
He did not stop to say his prayers. He yawned and stretched his arms. He wanted nothing now but to lie snug and safe under the cool sheets. He threw off his clothes and left them on the floor. He knew where his nightgown was. He crept into bed. He pulled the covers up to his ears. He nestled his head into the pillow and breathed a deep sigh. End of chapter 27 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona